Welcome to episode 7 of the MJ Sports Report podcast, our weekly podcast where we talk about all of the local high school sports. I am Evan Riggs, joined as always by Kyle Heim. Kyle, how's it going? It's been a, been a busy week uh, for us this week. A lot of postseason cross-country, some uh, some volleyball in there, a couple of kids committing, so just a, a busy all-around week. How's it going? Pretty good. Fall sports are getting underway here, postseason at least. Mm-hmm. They've already been underway, I guess, but <laughs> postseason's starting to come along, and football's last week of football, so exciting time. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild that we're already at the last week of uh, of football here. It does kind of seem like yesterday we were doing all the team previews and, and just getting started on that front. So, But yeah, we, we can just jump right into it. Um, today we're going to preview all the Week 9 matchups. Uh, we've got Muscatine at Davenport North. Um Durant at Pekin, Wilton versus Van Buren, West Liberty versus Tipton, Wapolo at Columbus, and Louisa Muscatine at Mount Vernon. We've got some cross country to talk about. Um, maybe a little update on Muscatine volleyball, where they're at. Some RVC all conference teams for volleyball. So just a lot to get to today. But first, um, we will start in Muscatine, where uh, Kyle. It was a it was a rough one to say the least for the Muskies last week. Uh, Iowa City West. Uh, beat them 58-14 to 14, um, in Iowa City. Obviously, that's a very good football team. Um, I'll just pass along to you because you were the one that was out there. What did what, you see in that one? Yeah, the Trojans scored on the first play from scrimmage in that game, a 62-yard touchdown pass from Marcus Morgan to Jalen Gaudet. And then things just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Muscatine just had no answer defensively for Iowa City West. They gave up 491 yards including 228 yards on the ground. Eli Gay was one of the few bright spots for the Muskies. He had seven catches for 165 yards and two touchdowns. He's a third in Class 4A with the 806 receiving yards. And Carson Orr finished with a pretty nice game, uh, 16 of 26 for 224 yards and two touchdowns. He had one interception and fumbled once, but Iowa City West did a really nice job of holding Tim Nimley in check. Held him to 13 yards on six carries. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Wh- whenever Tim Nimley has been held in check, that's when things have really gotten tough. Uh, for Muscatine this year, and obviously Iowa City West. That that's a good defense, a good defensive front. So, not too surprising there. It, it was kind of weird. I think was it maybe 14 to zero or 21 to zero. Uh, Muscatine marched right down the field and scored. And you kind of thought like, okay, maybe they can stay in this game, and then. Iowa City West kind of kind of flex their muscle and and pull the way pretty quickly there after that, but but yeah, uh, Muscatine's playoff hopes uh, pretty much vanished with this loss. Um, that Lindmar game is going to be one they're kicking themselves about. I think uh, at the end of this season, there is still a, a slim chance, which we'll kind of get into later, that that they can make the playoffs, but they'll need they'll need a lot of help. Uh, and and then another team who kind of saw. Um, it's slim playoff hopes go down the drain last week. Uh, Loiza Muscatine, uh, Tipton beat them thirty-two to sixteen. L&M now now three and five on the year, one and three in district play. Um, now on a three-game losing streak. Actually, uh, Chase Cruz only had thirty-two yards passing, two interceptions. He did have eighty-four yards rushing and one touchdown. But you, know, you kind of see just another example of a couple of times this year we've seen that the rushing game has been pretty good, but they just weren't able to to get much going through the air. Uh, Cody Kavlich had 63 rushing yards and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Tipton pretty much had its way on the ground. They had two guys with over 130 rushing yards. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Kyle, it's going to be 
it, and I shouldn't even say it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, pl- playoffs are, are out of the question at this point for L&M. Uh, uh, any thoughts on the Falcons at this point in the season? Well, I talked to Carson Cantrell and the coach earlier this week. Cantrell committed to Mount Mercy mm-hmm. University for baseball, so I talk, got a chance to talk to both of them. Um, the season hasn't gone as well as they hoped. Obviously, the small numbers that we've talked a lot about this year have hurt them. Mm-hmm. But I know Cantrell was just happy because he said even though they're one of the smallest school, smallest football teams in 2A, that teams really know uh, who they are and really feel that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think what he said is that team, teams feel us, you know, yeah. basically saying that, that they hit hard, you know, they play tough on defense, which – you know, yeah, I mean, when I saw them, they, they did play pretty tough uh, against Ricky Fords and Wapolo. But like you said, yeah, like you were saying, uh, sorry to interrupt, but their, their season, like you said, just hasn't, hasn't gone the way they had hoped. Yep. And we can move on um, to a team whose season, I think, has gone about as well as, as they would have hoped or, or expected before the season, uh, Durant. Durant is heading to the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Um, with a 28-7 to win over BGM Brooklyn last week. They clinched a share of the district title. They can win that outright with a win this week. Um, like I said, yeah, first playoff berth in seven years. They had had seven losing seasons before that. Um, early on in this one, though, it, it kind of seemed like uh, the nerves maybe got to them a little bit or kind of just the, the magnitude of the game uh, a little bit. That They opened um, with a nice drive but fumbled. Uh, on the BGM seven, the next drive was kind of derailed by a pair of penalties. Um, ba- Bryce LaFrenz basically said, "Yeah, we were beating ourselves." I really uh, after that game to, to Bobby Metcalf, uh, the Quad State Times guy who was out there at that one. But then things kind of opened up a little bit. Uh, Bryce LaFrenz hit uh, Jake Wilcom for a 22-yard touchdown. That was on a third and 18, so a big play there. That kind of opened up the floodgates a little bit. It seemed like. Wilcom actually had just a, a massive day. Three receptions for 103 yards and three touchdowns. He only had four catches all season uh, before that the other night. So so big day uh, for him. Stepped up in a really huge moment. Uh, Mason Compton had that other touchdown uh, for them. He actually did fumble a punt, though, uh, a little later in the first quarter. Uh, BG, or in the second quarter, BGM scored and tied the game, but Durant scored the next three touchdowns, and... Uh, and yeah, Kyle, they're heading back to the playoffs. That defense was also pretty impressive the other night too. Just kind of what, what, what are you thinking on on Durant at this point in the season? I knew, I think both of us really went into their season not knowing what they would be, just because uh, Class A is a little bit of an unfamiliar territory for both of us. Yeah, I didn't really know at all what to expect from them, but they've been really impressive both sides of the football, offense and defense. I know we've talked a lot about the offense, but the defense they're giving up. Uh, just over 180 yards per game and seven, just over seven points per game in the district. So they've outscored teams at 136 to 29 in their district, and they're just playing really good football mm-hmm. right now. Yep, held BGM to 147 total yards. I think playing up before district play, they were playing all 2A and all 1A teams. I, th- I think that that probably helped them quite a bit. And, yeah, we'll see. Durant has a chance for an outright district title uh, tonight and a chance to host a playoff game. That'd be pretty big time. Uh, for the Wildcats, now to one of our three or our second of our three area teams that has a chance for that very that very same thing. Um, West Liberty, uh, they beat Comanche last week, thirty-five to seven, clinched at least a share of the district title with that. 
it was kind of just business as usual for them, or at least uh, business as usual as far as district play goes. Seth Feldman, 8 of 12, 101 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, 54 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, the defense continues uh, to be stout. Obviously, only seven points given up. Uh, Kyle, I think we kind of, I don't even want to say hoped, but we we kind of thought that maybe this could be in the cards for West Liberty. Um, they, they can make a run in district play after a tough non-district. But are you surprised at all with, with how well they've played in district play so far? I'm a little surprised, but I feel like that tough schedule at the beginning of the season, just like Durant, has benefited them too, playing mm-hmm. Solon and Washington, those types of teams. So they've had a great run through district play too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then West Branch, another another really yeah. tough team early on. Um, three different guys caught touchdowns there tonight. Um, Eben Bierman, I, I want E-B-E-N. I, that sounds just like my name. I, I'm going to assume that is how it's pronounced. Um, Will Esmore and Lake Newton, all three of those kids caught touchdown passes the other night. Um, just, just kind of showing the balance they have um, in that receiving core. Some other kids that can make plays. It's definitely not just Feldman offensively for them. Um, five and three on the season. 4-0 district play, and like I said, they're another one that with a win tonight, they uh, they can clinch a home playoff game uh, to start that off, so that'd be pretty big time for them after a 1-3 start, especially. And then, uh, again, yeah, the, the third of three teams that has that potential this week, um, Wilton, last week they beat Columbus 34-8. to I don't think, and I haven't talked to anybody out in Wilton, so I don't know how much he played, but I don't think Jerome Mays played a whole lot last week. Just two of four for 12 yards and an interception. He, uh, I know we didn't podcast uh, the previous week, so we didn't have a chance to talk about it on here. But he sprained his ankle pretty good. Um, the very beginning of that Minneapolis game, he got tackled and it got rolled up on. So it looks like they, they got him some rest against a Columbus team that I think they knew that, that they could be okay against um, without him. Uh, Brock Hartley. Stepped in at quarterback, 109 passing yards, two touchdowns. Rushed for another touchdown. Um, Colin McCrabb, uh, a nice day on the ground. Uh, 23 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Corey Anderson, um, eight receptions for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Another nice day through the air for him. And uh, Kyle, just kind of business as usual um, for Wilton in this one, it seems like. I think a common theme for all these RBC area teams is they're all very well balanced on offense and defense, and they've just all run through their districts pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wilton up to 7-1, and 4-0 um, and in district play. They forced three turnovers the other night uh, against Columbus. Columbus now 0-8, 0-4 in the district. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about it. It's been a rough year for Columbus, a very young football team. Chance Colby has had a nice year, though, and he had a nice game the other night. Um, 64 rushing yards, and... You know, I know Wilton didn't have Jerome Mays, but, but they hung in there. It was only 14-0 at halftime, and I think just when you look at where they were at the beginning of the year, you can see improvements. Even, even though the wins haven't been there, it's been a tough district schedule. I, it does seem like they are a better team than that team earlier in the season that was getting housed by, like, you know, one- and two-win teams. So Columbus has definitely shown improvement, but just a, a tough schedule for them. And then Wapala, talk about a team that shows that shows improvement. This game was one um, Wapala Sigourney Kyoto that Sigourney Kyoto, excuse me, that that I think we probably would have both said was a toss up, maybe favoring uh, Sigourney 
last week had we podcasted, but Wapolo pretty much controlled that one throughout, Kyle. Uh, 24-14 win. Pretty impressive uh, win for the Indians last week. Yeah, they they started the season 2-4, and four, so that's their second win in a row. And shut out Van Buren, beat a good Sigourney mm-hmm. team on the road, so really impressive win there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky Forge just continues to have a great season. 26 carries, 214 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had 12 and a half tackles. That defense played really well. Um, they forced a pair of turnovers. Uh, Caden Meeker and Britton Ross each had an interception. Um, Noah Holland had a decent day, 98 yards passing. Caden Thomas, 53 yards and a touchdown um, through the air as a receiver. So, yeah, just a, a pretty good day for Wapolo. And, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think there's a scenario where the playoffs are going to happen for them. I don't know if they've been officially eliminated, but kind of like Muscatine, they would need an army of teams to help them out this Friday. But they do have a chance, like Muscatine, at a winning record. And I think that would be considered a success uh, for them this season, just considered how young they were at a lot of positions. And now, um, done with football for a little bit, we'll move uh, real quickly to volleyball. Kyle, you were out there, Muscatine, with, uh, with a four-set win to, to start uh, 5A regionals against Davenport West. Um, sounds like... They played pretty well at times the other night. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of performance you'd expect with the season on the line, especially came out really strong, won those first two sets, 25-11, 25-16. I know Coach Tim Martin felt like everything was working well for them, passing. He noted their block was strong as it has been all season, and they are playing great defense. But then that third set kind of got away from a, a little bit right at the beginning. Um, server for... Davenport West uh, just was consistently getting service aces, mm-hmm. kind of grazing that top of the net, and the ball was just falling into the holes on Muscatine's side of the court. But then they had a couple out of rotation calls to that one against them, and that just kind of ended the set from there, mm-hmm. put them in a big hole. But um, they were able to rebound nicely in that four set, came back and won at 25-18, and got the win in their first postseason game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should mention uh, 25-11. 25-16 uh, were the first two sets in favor of Muscatine. And then 25-18, to Davenport West in that third set before the Muskies uh, bounced back in the fourth. Um, as you know, Haley Jarrett did, did a great job setting up the attack like she has all season. Uh, 32 assists, I think. She had 34 um, when I covered them earlier in the week, uh, senior night uh, against Davenport Central. That was a close five-set loss um, for them. Like you also say in here, the block was very effective. It's just kind of what we've seen from this team. Not quite as much this year as last year, but still this year just a little bit inconsistent at times. When they do play well, they can be a dangerous team. They've got a lot of weapons up front. They've got some some good backline players. You know, Riley Moss had nine digs. Um, and like I said, yeah, that, that block has been one of the best in the MAC all, all year. So, uh, yeah, the Muskies will move on, play Iowa City High in the semifinals. Um, they lost in two sets earlier this season when they played in Bettendorf, but, you know, 21-14, 21-11, not exactly a mismatch, so we'll see what, what Muscatine can do there. And then we did have um, a little bit of SEISC volleyball. Favorite my podcast. favorite time of the podcast, <laughs> just to always see if I can get that tongue twister out. That was one of the better, one of my better attempts there, I will say. Um Wapolo moved on with a win um, over Columbus in five sets. Um, seems like every match 
of Wapolo's goes five sets, does it, it not? Does, like yeah. it, Wapolo has yeah. played a ton of five set matches this year. Um, 15 25-16, So uh, a very close match uh, between two fairly even teams. It looks like, uh, but Wapolo ultimately comes out on top. Uh, Kyle, a- anything to add here? Looks like we do have some stats to go over. Yeah, uh, Gracie Gustafson had 11 kills, Sarah Schaefer had 10, and uh, Molly Masner finished with 31 assists, leading that, helping set up that attack. And then defensively, Schaefer also led with 14 digs. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, they also had 17 service aces too in that match. So mm-hmm. Yeah, seven, 17 service aces is, uh, is pretty incredible. That's probably one of the better serving games in our area, if I have the guess this year, or serving matches, if I have the guess this year. Um, yeah, Wapolo will move on and play Durant um, at Durant on Monday. So obviously a tough task. We, we know how, how good Durant's been this season um, under Co- Coach Mark Lyle. So, so yeah, but, but good on Wapolo. You know, good on Columbus, too. Obviously a very, very close match there. Could have gone um, either way. Um, and the Loiza Muscatine, unfortunately for them, they, they were not quite as lucky. They did have to play at Davenport Assumption, one of the tougher teams uh, perennially in just every yeah. sport. Uh, in the state, uh, 25-5, 25-3, 25-7. So just a, a tough end uh, to the Falcons season there. We do have um, no updates per se, but a couple scheduling notes, Kyle, on, on Muscatine and Storming. No Judd Anderson update, though, so yeah, a little, no, little sad about that. It's been a while since they last competed. I think Davenport West, the senior night meet was last time. They won that one, but uh, the, the regional diving meet is October 25th and the swimming meet is October 27th, and those will be held at Grinnell College for Muscatine. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then we can move on here to cross country. There, Everybody in the state in action yesterday for state qualifying meets. So a ton to get to there. Um, we'll just go to Muscatine real quick. Um, boys placed ninth at Cedar Rapids yesterday. Um, Tevin Tovar was their top runner at 32nd. Um, 17 minutes and 38 seconds for his time. Um, the top 15 runners and top three teams qualify, so it's a nobody for the Muskies there. Um, Aiden Armstrong seemed to be the bright spot uh, for the Muskies. Well, I say that. Um, Foxen was actually pretty pleased with how everybody ran, but he was especially pleased with, with Armstrong. Um, just a freshman, uh, placed 42nd with uh, 17.53. Um, so, yeah, just, just good on him. It seems like he's really... Uh, Run well these last couple of meets to end the season. Um, Tim Armstrong's son, uh, the girls' coach, didn't realize that until I talked to Tim Armstrong the other day. So he's uh, he's got the running running in his genes. So it'll be interesting to follow his career and see what he turns into. Um, Andy Garcia plays 50th uh, for the Muskies. I, I should also mention that Owen Hazelwood did not run um, yesterday. We don't exactly know why. Um, the girls, they play 7th as a team. Um, Riley Blake, top runner in tw- at 26th in 2036, uh, 20 minutes, 36 seconds. About 20 seconds outside the top 15 uh, for her. Sophia Thomas, 44th in 21 minutes and 58 seconds. Emmy Smith right behind her at 45th. Um, Coach Armstrong was pretty encouraged, just number one with how they ran. Um, number two, just the fact that he has six of his top seven runners back next year. Emmy Smith is the only one he loses. Um, both coaches seem to like how their teams ran, but just a, a pretty tough district uh, for them. Armstrong did note that usually there's only three ranked teams in your district. There was actually four uh, for the girls' side, at least. So, so yeah, tough tough for them. 
Um, Kyle, anything to add before we put a bow here on uh, Muscatine boys and girls cross country? Yeah, I just want to mention they've kind of battled like a really kind of strange scheduling season. Mm -hmm. So they've had quite a few meets canceled because of weather. And so it's kind of hard to find some consistency there. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just real quick, LM and West Liberty uh, cross country. Kyle, uh, n- no qualifiers for West Liberty, but they did have a couple who were knocking on the door, uh, it looks like. Yeah, Jimena Fierro in the girls' race was West Liberty's top runner. She would finish 21st in 21 minutes, 4.5 seconds. Uh, in the boys' race, they had Ashton Burroughs finish 23rd in 1754.3. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, not quite the same case uh, for the L&M uh, cross-country team. Um, girls, uh, Brellin Randall was a top runner. Um, she was 73rd in 25 minutes and 30 seconds, but just a freshman. So, I mean, their, their top runner being a freshman, you would maybe expect them to not not quite be in that mix yet, maybe at some point in the future. Um, for the boys, uh, Paul Hoops was 45th in uh, 18 minutes and 55.2 uh, seconds. So, and yeah, that pretty much does it uh, for those two teams this year. Um, neither team obviously qualified um, with their placings. And then now we can move on to, Kyle, what you were actually at yesterday, which was over in Iowa City. We had Durant, we had Wilton, we had Wapolo, and we had Columbus, and we had some state qualifiers too. So yeah. uh, what, what happened out there yesterday? Five state qualifiers there at the Iowa City Kicker Soccer Complex in Iowa City. So... Uh, it was a great day weather-wise. Um, Wilton's buddy Darting and Jack Boss actually jumped out to the lead. They sprinted out to the front of the pack right at the beginning of the boys' race. Uh, we're running, running one and two for about the first mile, but then they both said that their legs eventually got tired there and got passed by a few people, but both still. Darting ended up finishing fifth in 1752-23. Um, Voss finished seventh in 1753-79, so both great runs there. And then... The three other area qualifiers were Wapolo's Aiden Hausman was ninth in 1756-20. Uh, Zach, Wilton Zach Hine was 12th in 1806-45. And Durant's Easton Bodkins, 15th in 1817-01. So just barely snuck in there. But mm-hmm. all, all five are headed to Fort Dodge next week for the state meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like uh, you know no teams qualified. Durant boys were close. They finished fourth. They missed by two points. I'm sure they were probably a little... A little disappointed by that, but I get a couple of individuals going, so not all bad for them. Like you mentioned, those kids will all be at the Fort Dodge meet next week. Looking forward to see to seeing how they fare. Um, there is, is Buddy Darting. Is he the only guy who's been up to state before? I know that this is Darting's third time. Um, Voss's first time. Hausman's been there at least one other. That's time. right. Aiden Hausman has also been Wapolo's Aiden Hausman. So yeah, I mean. I don't know if we would have expected. I think we knew that there might be a couple of kids, but to have five uh, from this district, from our area, I think uh, maybe exceed our expectations there a little bit. So good showing uh, for the area kids out there yesterday. And just real quick, I wanted to touch on just the RVC All-Conference volleyball teams that were released yesterday. Um, On the elite team, you've got Aubrey Putman um, from Wilton, Macy Akers and Macy Dahlfeld from West Liberty, Cameron Meyer from Durant, and just real quick on, on some of those kids. Um, Macy Akers is first in Class 3A with 540 digs. She actually recorded a 2,000th career dig the other night um, against West Burlington. West Liberty, I should mention, beat West Burlington in straight sets. They will play Davenport Assumption in the next round of regionals. 
Um, Doffelt leads West Liberty with 301 kills, um, a .420 kill efficiency. Um, also leads the team there. Um, Aubrey Putman leads Wilton in just about everything. Um, 383 kills, which is second in 2A. Um, first on Wilton, obviously. Um, 232 digs is first on the team. They're a team that's pretty balanced um, dig-wise. They've got a lot of girls in the 100s. It's not just like maybe like West Liberty where, where Macy Akers has all the digs and nobody else really has, has hardly any. It's pretty balanced there. She also leads them with 50 aces, and she is tied for the team lead with 34 blocks. So just a very impressive season uh, from her. Also an impressive season from Cameron Meyer, who I don't know if we mentioned um, is going to Nebraska-Omaha for softball, actually. We learned that this week, um, a Division One program. But she's having a nice volleyball season as well. Uh, team high 220 kills, just a little bit ahead of Auburn Dittmer. Um, and 30 aces also leads the team. And then on that South Division team, um, Durant had three kids with Ruby Kapler, um, Auburn Dittmer, and Mallory Warner. Um, a couple of West Liberty kids with Morgan Peterson and Martha Pace. And then Courtney Drake um, up there for Wilton. And then just honorable mention, we've got Hannah Happ from Durant, Emily Lang from Wilton, and uh, Hallie Mueller from West Liberty. So, so quite a few area kids there. Um, see all of them in action this week. Uh, postseason play for those teams will really kind of pick up. Like I mentioned, West Liberty um, has Assumption. Uh, Durant has Wapolo. And off the top of my head, I can honestly not remember who Wilton has. I just know they had a first-round bye, and they will host um, a, a matchup this week. And, Kyle, anything to add on volleyball before we get on to uh, some Friday night football here? Well, all of those honors I just feel like are really impressive because mm-hmm. – all of those those players play in such a difficult conference. A lot of good teams in that conference, so great honors. Mm, absolutely. And then um, on the football previews here, before we wrap up, um, Muscatine at Davenport North. Like I mentioned earlier, Muscatine's four and four on the season, one and three in district play. Um, North five and three, two and two in district play. This is one of the better seasons in school history for Davenport North. Um, I don't know if I said this earlier, but this game is at Brady Street Stadium, not at Davenport North. So for any of you guys coming over to Davenport for that game tonight. Um, talked to Mueller earlier this week. Um, he told me the seniors' goal since last spring was a winning record. It's really important to them to get that. And so it's really important to the team to send them out, you know, not only with a winning record, but just on a winning note. Remember, this is a senior class that only won four games in their first three years of high school football, so ending their careers with winning records and just on a win would be would be a big-time, I don't know, if, not honor, but just a big-time moment, a big-time accomplishment for that team this year. They can still technically qualify for the playoffs, but like I said earlier, they need a lot of help. There's like a handful of area, or not area games, a handful of, of games in the state with teams ranked around them that you can easily see them losing. Um, but one of those results, you need Cedar Rapids um, Kennedy to lose to Burlington. I don't know if that is too likely necessarily. So Mueller said he hasn't even addressed that with his team, hasn't even talked about it with them just because he thinks it's it's pretty unlikely at this point. They're just focused on uh, on winning this week, and Kyle Davenport North is, uh, is a pretty tough team. Yeah, a very tough game to end the season with, but... Um... 
Muscatine got off to a great start this season. They kind of slipped up there recently against some really tough opponents, mm-hmm. Pleasant Valley, uh, Linmar, who didn't have a great record but was in every game they were playing. And yeah, I think I we've seen that Linmar is better than their record now. Yeah, and I just feel like they have so many seniors on this football team who went through the struggles last season. I feel like they have a ton to play for in this game mm-hmm. just to go out with a win and – I think they're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. They're 2-0 and at Brady Street Stadium. There you go, yeah. 2-0 and at Brady Street Stadium. Um, like I did mention, Davenport North is a good team. That defense especially has been good this season in the wins. In the losses, um, they've given up some big days, but in their wins, they're only allowing 9.6 points per game. Mueller told me he was really impressed with their front seven. Um, stopping the run has been a big part of their success. You know, we mentioned that, you know, Tim Nimley had a tough go last week and things have been tough for them when he has not been able to get going. So we'll see what that rushing attack looks like tonight for Muscatine. Obviously, they are a balanced offense, though. Eli Gay's had a great season. Carson Orr has thrown for over 1,300 yards this year. Um, on offense for North, um, Priest Sheedy has had, had a very good year at wide receiver. I really hope I didn't butcher his last name. Sheedy, S-H-E-E-D-Y. Um, he's been their biggest weapon. Yeah, 613 receiving yards. Mueller was, has, was just really, really impressed with him. So he never stops on a play. Some of his biggest plays have been on broken plays this year. Um, the quarterback, uh, Jack West, extending those plays. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what that Muscatine defense uh, can do. Kyle, you said you think Muscatine is going to win this one. I do. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the season on high note, so. Mm-hmm. BC Moore has Muscatine as a 1.5 point favorite, so um, I'm really a toss-up game. I do think Muscatine will get this get this one done. Um, they've lost a couple in a row, have been happy with how they've played, but are still confident in what they've got just on their team and and what they've been able to do this season. I think that they will close this one out with a win, and then we move on to some games with uh, major playoff implications. Um, Tipton at West Liberty. Uh, Kyle, like we mentioned, West Liberty has already clinched a playoff berth, but they can do uh, a lot more than that with a win tonight. Yeah, they can uh, win that district outright, Class 2A District 5. Um, since they scored six combined points in the first two weeks of the season, they're averaging over 317 yards and 32.5 points per game. Uh, Seth Feldman's third in the district in passing yards with 1,021 and fifth in rushing yards with 485. On defense, uh, West Liberty's held its opponents to single digits in all four district contests, including a shutout against West Burlington. And uh, Spencer Doffelt leads the district in solo tackles for loss with 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Tipton is a team with a good record. I think they're 6-2 and two at this point, but they yeah. they got absolutely blitzed by Mount Vernon a couple weeks ago, like 68-8. to eight. And Obviously, Mount Vernon is a team that, that we all saw West Liberty go out and pretty much control that game against. Not you know, not that you can just take one game and you know apply it to the other, but I think that that does kind of show you West Liberty is probably the better team here. But Tipton's still a tough team. They average 360 yards per game on the ground and 34 and a half points per game in district play. Um, they're led offensively by their running back Logan Stolt. He has 180 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, they also have a good cornerback in Austin Lenz, who leads the district with four interceptions. Um, so that'll be a test for, for Feldman and company there. BC Moore has West Liberty as a 20-point favorite in this one. This will be in West Liberty. So senior night, district tile on the line. Um, Kyle, who do you got in this one? 
I got West Liberty. I think the offense has a big night against Tipton. They've been torched a couple times here in district play, so I think West Liberty gets it done. Yeah, I'm going to go with West Liberty as well. Um, like I said, they're a 20-point favorite. They beat Mount Vernon, a team that destroyed Tipton um, earlier in the season. I do think that maybe that streak of holding opponents to single digits might be in jeopardy tonight, but I still expect West Liberty's offense to do enough to to get this one done. And then on to Durant. Again, another team playing for an outright district title. They've already punched their chance, their ticket into the Class A playoffs, but they can they can do a lot more than that tonight. And you mentioned already, Kyle, but they've really been clicking in district play. Yeah, uh, so many weapons on both sides of the football. Quarterback Bryce LaFriends leads the district in passing yards, 1,407, and touchdowns with 16. Mason Compton's first in all of Class A in receiving yards with 847. The defense has been every bit as good um, during this four-game stretch in district play. Held opponents to 180.3 yards and 7.3 points per game, as I mentioned earlier. And mostly with Hughes leading the way on defense, uh, 20 total tackles for loss and six solo sacks. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that defense will be tested uh, against Pekin. They've averaged uh, almost 440 yards per offense, 435.9, which is actually best in the district. Um, they've scored more than 50 points three times this year. Um, they have a heck of a running back in Dane Eckley with 1,400 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns on the season. That's that's pretty that's pretty ridiculous. 1,443 rushing yards, that's... That's a ton of rushing yards. That's a lot more rushing yards than I ever could have thought of getting if I played football, that's for sure. Um, Durant, a half-point favorite in this one on BC Moore. So this one, he basically is saying is a toss-up. This one's at Pekin. Just like West Liberty, though, a district title on the line for Durant, um, or at least outright district title, a home playoff game. Kyle, are the Wildcats going to continue the hot streak this week? I think they will. Finish five and zero in the district. Um, remember when they played Wapolo, held Ricky Ports to mm-hmm. seventeen yards on ten carries. Mm-hmm. I think they can stop Dane Eckley. Maybe not quite that poor of a performance, but I think they can hold him mm-hmm. to less than what he's done so far. Right. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they're satisfied or or just content with uh, being in the playoffs. And having a share of that district title, or you know, we'll see if that focus, that same focus that has been there in district play, is there tonight. I think that'll be something to look for. Like you mentioned, that rushing defense going up against uh, Eckley—that that's a matchup to watch. Um, Mason Compton has been a little quieter uh, these last couple of weeks uh, receiving because I ju- they've been winning easier, so they haven't had to had to force feed him. I think this might be a game where it's a little closer. He might have a big game again tonight. I am going to go Durant as well. I think this will be a very close game. Maybe something like a field goal could decide this one. But, but yeah, Durant, if they win this one, home field in the, home, home field in the first round of the playoffs. So, so obviously a big one. I'm going Durant in a close game. Kyle is as well, it sounds like. Um, on to yeah. Wilton, who does not have near the challenge in front of them as Durant does this week. Kyle, they play a Van Buren team that has really struggled this year. Wilton, like we said, has been good all season. Another team that has just breezed through district play in the area. They're going to go for a perfect record in Class 1A District 5 after already clinching a playoff berth. They've outscored opponents 114-17 to 17 
in district play. They're averaging 337 yards of offense, giving up just 168 yards per game on defense. Um, a couple weeks, and that's just not against, like, you know, not good competition. Minneapolis has been one of the best offenses in the state, and they held them to three points in Minneapolis two weeks ago. So uh, impressive performance by that defense. And then, you know, Kyle, we've talked about this all year, but they, they have weapons on offense. And then, you know, defensively they have a couple of, of standouts so far this year on that defensive line. Yeah, wide receiver Corey Anderson has 282 more receiving yards than anyone else in the district. He has 505 total, and he has seven touchdowns. Um, quarterback Jerome Mays has been solid, as you'd expect, at quarterback. He has a district best, 852 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then on defense, they have three guys with over four sack or with at least four sacks. Clayton Cooling has six, which is second in the district. Jared Townsend has five, which is third in the district, and Brian Stillman has four, which is tied for fourth in the district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Van Buren's lost three straight um, since opening up district play with a win over Columbus. I'm assuming that was against. Um, they've given up 42.3 points per game, while scoring just 14 total points in that stretch, so it's been a real struggle offensively for them and defensively, too. We expect Wilton to, to win this one pretty easily, I would say. Um, Jerome Mays, we don't really know how much he'll play tonight. Played sparingly last week. Wouldn't surprise me if he played sparingly again tonight or not at all. But, you know, with Brock Hartley at quarterback, the weapons at running back and receiver in that defense, I don't think it'll matter much. Kyle, I'm assuming we agree here, but just always want to make sure. Yeah, I'm picking Wilton. I'm going with, pretty easy margin. I'm going with Wilton as well. Um, PC Point actually has this game as a 68.5-point spread. I don't think it'll be that big because I don't – I think this will be a chance maybe for Wilton to kind of give their starters a rest um, before a, a tough playoff opener, presumably next week at home. So, but yeah, Beaver should win this one pretty convincingly. And then now on to our final game. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Nope. Two more. Two more. I did that again, second time in a row. I'm used to Columbus being our final game on here. We've got Wapolo at Columbus Community. Um, Wapolo's looking to finish with a winning record. Columbus is searching for his first win of the season. You mentioned it earlier, Kyle. The Indians have won two in a row um, since being two and four, now four and four. Um, they've been middle of the pack in Class 1A, District 5, and offense at 264 yards per game. Um, they do have the leading rusher in the district at Ricky Forts, who has 1,143 1, yards on the season. Um, but Kyle Columbus, uh, Chance Colby, we mentioned earlier, has has had a pretty solid season in what's been a, a tough year for the Wildcats. Yeah, they've had a lot of new players on that team, especially well, on both sides of the football, really. So it's been impressive what Colby's been able to do leading that offensive attack with 991 total yards and 11 total touchdowns. Um, going back to Wapolo, though, I th- Columbus has had struggles stopping the run all mm-hmm. season long. I think Ricky Ford ends his high school career probably with mm-hmm. a huge game here. Actually, actually, he's only a junior. Oh, he's only a he's junior. only a junior. He's only a junior, which that's, is that's even more impressive. Which, which is yeah, it's in, when you think about the year he had last year, the year he's having this year, and also I don't know if you've ever actually like interviewed him or talked to him. He's he's a very very big and strong kid and he's only a junior so he's gonna be back next year that's crazy so yeah i mean he'll he'll be the centerpiece for that wapala team once again next year but yeah we'll see he should have a very big game tonight i would imagine um kyle i'm going with wapalo and this one um 
Which means I've got Columbus going 0-9 this season. Do you agree? I agree. Wapolo finishes the season with a winning record. Mm-hmm. And then on to now our final game uh, of the slate here. Loiza Muscatine at Mount Vernon. Uh, Kyle, the Falcons will try and snap a three-game losing streak. Mount Vernon will will attempt to finish with um, finish the season with four straight wins after losing to West Liberty earlier in district play. Like you'd expect, um, the, the Falcons have one of the best rushing attacks in the district, Kyle. Yeah, they're averaging 248.4 yards per game on the ground, um, which I think is second in the mm-hmm. district. Uh, quarterback Chase Cruz leads the way with 865 rushing yards, also has 683 passing yards and 16 total touchdowns, so he's having a really nice season. Mm-hmm. Just a junior, too, I think. Yep, right. another junior. So another junior that will be back uh, for his team next year. Um, they have struggled defensively, though, Loiza Muscatine. They've given up 34.7 points per game over its last over their last three. Uh, Mount Vernon is averaging 40.5 points per game in its last three. So you would think maybe there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Uh, Mount Vernon running back Paul Ryan, heck of a name for for somebody to have uh, this day and age. By the way, Paul Ryan leads the district and with 1,306 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns this year. Um, he's averaging 6.9 yards per carry. So just uh, an awesome season for him. He, he's a load to stop. I know when West Liberty played them, um, Coach Iski told me, like, that is the guy that we knew we had to take away. And they did pretty well. We'll see if, uh, if the Falcons can do that. One, can do that. Uh, Kyle, while I look up the point spread for that one, you tell me blindly who you have in this game. Blind? I have to go blindly? You have to go blindly. I'm going to go Mount Vernon then. Yeah, Mount Vernon, a 38-point favorite. I would not expect that game to be that out of reach, but I think uh, Mount Vernon uh, for me as well. It's just, we, we've talked about it. The Falcons, they have talent, but they just don't have the depth. When you play a rushing attack like that, um, it's tough when you don't have the guys to cycle in and out on defense to, to stand up against that type of rushing attack. So I do think Mount Vernon ends this one with a win. Um, L&M finished three and six on the season, but they will have a lot back next year. Maybe they'll have some more kids on the team, um, period, just to help out that depth. Uh, Kyle, anything else to add on the Falcons? I don't think so, but it should be a great week of rushing attacks. Yeah, in the area. A lot yeah. of great running backs playing. A great, a great week of rushing attacks, um, a lot of playoff implications. Not so much who's going to be in, who's going to be out, just uh, – who's going to have home field and who's not. So that'll be exciting to watch tonight. Again, West Liberty, Wilton, Durant all have chances at, at home field and an outright district title tonight. So, so yeah, a lot to play for for those teams. And then even for the other teams, you got Wapolo and Muscatine going for winning records and everybody else is trying to get a win to close the season. And that'll do it for us today. You can follow me at Evan R. Riggs on Twitter. Kyle is at Kyle. Um, the link to this will be on iTunes, on the Journal website, like always, musketeenjournal.com. Um, also on the Journal Sports Twitter account, which if you're not following already, you should, at mjournal underscore sports. We'll be back next week. I promise you to look back at Friday's football games. We'll also have a lot of um, volleyball, postseason volleyball. I've got Muscatine in action next week. Also, West Liberty, Durant, and Wilton are all still alive. So a lot of volleyball, 
some muscatine swimming, I think, to look back at as well, and maybe preview some state cross country and then playoff football. Um, thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week.